Well, good morning. Thanks, Justin, for leading worship for us. And uh, yeah, really grateful for you, Justin. Um, let's, give, let's give him a hand. So this jumped in in a pinch and um, has been for a while. And, and starting next week, a guy named Josh Garten, and, and maybe you recognize that last name, Tim Garten, has preached a couple times for us here. It's his son, just graduated from Iowa State. Um, and so he'll be helping us out with worship for a few months uh, as he's in transition. Um, and so excited for that. It seems like just a really, really great guy who really loves Jesus and um, can really help, help us worship together. So we're continuing this series on marriage, and we're ending it today. And so if you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Just one verse today. Very short. Very hard to live out. First Peter 3, verse 7. And while you're turning there, I want to share a story with you. A husband and wife had been married for 60 years and had no secrets except for one. The woman kept in her closet a shoebox that she forbade her husband from ever opening. But when she was on her deathbed and with her blessing, he opened the box and found a crocheted doll and $95,000 in cash. My mother told me that the secret to a happy marriage was to never argue, she explained. Instead, I should keep quiet and crochet a doll. Her husband was touched. Only one doll was in the box. That meant she'd been, only been angry with him once in 60 years. But what about this money, he asked. Oh, she said, that's the money I made from selling the dolls. So I know this series has been really serious, so I just kind of want to lighten it a little bit for us all, but we're continuing this series in, um, on marriage and what it means to have a Christ-centered marriage, and so um, kind of by accident, have this acronym that's spelled SASI, S-A-S-I, not S-A-S-S-Y, does that spell check me? Is that the, yeah, okay. Um, not that, but I, I maybe um, am... Doing that a little bit this morning, so I've never worn a tie, um, except for uh, as a pastor, except for funerals and weddings. And so uh, last night, my wife Heather was like, "I was like, I'm gonna wear a tie tomorrow," and she's like, "No, you're not. You you'll never wear a tie to church." So I may be being a little sassy this morning by proving her wrong um, by wearing this tie. So um, I love you, um, but. Anyway, uh, this acronym's SASSY. So the first week we looked at uh, SECURE. Don't focus on the SASSY part. That's really, it was kind of by accident that the acronym happened. But um, SECURE. So in a Christ-centered marriage, if you yourself are not secure in a relationship with Christ, first and foremost, your marriage won't work. And so the second week we looked at the A, assertive. And we talked about how we need to Share openly and honestly and speak the truth to one another, but do that without being aggressive. And then Ryan Palmer did a great job a couple weeks ago talking about what it looks like to have a selfless marriage, to be selfless in our expectations, to be selfless in our communication. Um, And if you missed any of those messages, especially Ryan's, go back and listen to them. I even joked with him a couple weeks ago. I was like, you know, the devil really loves to come after your marriage while you're preaching a series on marriage. So Heather and I could really use your help this morning. So good luck. And he, he did help us. It was great. Um, but today we're talking about 
the I, intentional, an intentional marriage. So Heather and I have three bank accounts. Um, this is just kind of how we manage our money. And no, the sermon isn't on money, but go with me for a second. So we have three bank accounts. One is our bills account, the fixed bills every month. And then we have another checking account that's just for spending. So whatever's left over, that's, that's what you get after the bills. And then we have savings as well. So if we don't deposit a certain amount of money into the bills account, our heat will get shut off. If we don't deposit a certain amount into savings, when the car breaks down, um, we're going to go into debt. And if we don't deposit a certain amount into spending, we're not going to be able to eat. And so this has been a simple but effective way that we have managed our money over the years. And the point is that all three accounts need regular deposits or we're going to be in trouble. Every marriage in the same way, has three main bank accounts that need deposits in it regularly. The physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. All three relational accounts affect each other critically. Think about it like this. Failure to make regular deposits emotionally in your spouse will produce problems when you try to withdraw from the physical account. Of course, they don't want to be physically intimate with you because it feels cold, and disconnected because emotionally you haven't been making any deposits. Or say you, you fail to make any regular deposits physically, just spending, let's just not even talking about physical intimacy for a second, but just spending time together, or even emotionally, you're going to have problems when you try to withdraw from the spiritual account. Your spouse will probably not want to go with you to a connection group or a Bible study because you're not even spending any time together physically, so why would we go and spend time with them? See, the physical affects the emotional, affects the spiritual. All these accounts are interconnected and vital to a marriage. So what if in 2024, your marriage was marked by steady deposits in all three? And as I break them down today, I want you to think, what's just one way that I could be more intentional in investing in my spouse this year? See, New Year's resolutions are tough, and they're, they're often broken. But what if this year you just made one resolution in your marriage, and you stuck with it? I mean, isn't your marriage worth investing in? So if you would just take a little card out in the pocket in front of you, and there's some pens there as well. I want you to think about this the whole sermon, and I don't want you to be quick to write anything down. I want you to really hear from God today and ask God, through his Holy Spirit, to just highlight as I'm teaching this scripture and as I say different things, or maybe God just brings things to your mind and to your heart. Just think, in 2024, which area am I going to invest in my marriage more? And then think, how will I go about doing that? And I understand there's, there's some people here who aren't married. So I just want you to think instead, how am I going to invest in my relationship with God this year? Or perhaps another relationship, a friendship or a coworker, some relationship that could use some work in your life as well. I think a lot of these principles will uh, apply to those relationships as well. So I just want you to be thinking and praying as I teach this this morning. And I also want to do this because I know a message like this, I'm going to give you like probably no joke about 50 different ideas of how to be intentional in your marriage. 
If, if you just walked away with those 50, you go, yeah, I'm, I can't do any of that. You know, I can't do all of that, so I might as well not try. No, I want you to walk away and go, no, I, can't, I can try with one thing. I can start with this one thing. So just be thinking, praying about that as I teach this morning. So let's go to the scripture. 1 Peter 3, verse 7, using the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Let's just get a couple things out of the way in this scripture first. When it talks about the wife being the weaker partner, it simply means that wives usually, not always, but usually, are physically not as strong as the men. It means nothing more or nothing less than that. Don't lose sleep over that part of this verse, okay? And while this verse is addressed specifically to husbands, it applies to wives as well. However, because it is addressed to husbands, guys, our job is to lead the way in our marriages. And so the things I'm talking about this morning are doubly true for you. You need to lead the way in these things in this scripture this morning. You need to feel an extra weight if you're a husband today. Guys are suddenly wishing, man, why did we come to church today? But God has something for you. It'll be good for you. Okay, let's talk about being intentional physically. So going back to the verse, it says, Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives. Other translations say, dwell with them. So it's not merely sharing the same roof or coexisting. It means sharing life together. It means being physically present. So I would just ask, are you spending time together with your spouse? Some people call this side-by-side time. Maybe you're not connecting emotionally much at all, but you're just spending time together. See, there's times where it's just good to be in the same room. You, You feel less alone. You feel more connected. This is super simple, but it can't be overstated. So if if she loves watching Netflix and he loves reading, why not do it together in the same room next to each other? Remember remember when you were dating? Remember when you were engaged? I mean, you'd do anything to spend time with each other. I remember one time, um, my, my hometown is in eastern Iowa, like just take 30 all the way to the Mississippi. There's my house. And... Heather's home is in South Dakota, near Sioux Falls, so a whole state away. I remember one weekend driving a whole state away just to spend a couple hours with her and drive all the way back. Here's the thing. Your spouse is right there now. Maybe you didn't have that big of a distance, but, but certainly the proximity wasn't there as much as it is now. She's right there. He's right there now. Don't take him or her for granted. Have physical time together. But this also means we should be physically intimate in our marriage. So are you intentionally making time to be intimate with your spouse? 1 Corinthians 7, 3-5 says this, A husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise a wife to her husband. And a wife does not have the right over her own body, but her husband does. In the same way, a husband does not have the right over his own body, but his wife does. Do not deprive one another except when you agree for a time to devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again, otherwise Satan may tempt you 
because of your lack of self-control. God gave you the gift of your spouse in your marriage to enjoy. So wives, as much as you can, give yourself to your husband. Husbands, as much as you can, give yourself to your wife. What if on days that you just don't want to, and they do, you did anyways just to serve or love them? What if on days that you have a good reason for not wanting to, which there are legit reasons, okay? Don't take this scripture out of context and say, no, you, your body belongs to me. No, 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 no. There are legitimate reasons not to. But what if on those days, instead of just saying no, you set up a, t- a later time or day in order to serve and love them? There's nothing wrong with scheduling it. There's also nothing wrong with talking through how much And when? Like to have expectations, like to talk through what your expectations are. It's a great opportunity, as we talked in previous weeks, to have an assertive yet non-aggressive conversation. I mean, there's literally times in our marriage where it helped us just reconnect emotionally. We had worked through things but still felt a bit of tension and just helped reunite us. I mean, sometimes it's something you just... Do, though, to, to love and serve your spouse, and that's good. So physical intimacy doesn't happen often in your marriage. You should probably take a, look, a good look at the other bank accounts. They're all interconnected. The emotional affects the spiritual, affects the physical. And it's very easy to feel stuck and alone regarding problems with physical intimacy in your marriage. So why continue to be frustrated and stuck? Why don't you get some help? This for too long within the Christian community and the church community has been something that's hush-hush, we don't talk about. Why? Did not God create us to enjoy sex within marriage, within its proper context? So if there's problems, why don't we talk about it with one another? Why don't we talk with our connection group leaders? This isn't certainly something we're, you know, out in the open and 50 people, let's just share open. No, 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 no. You share with trusted people, things that are going on. Trusted friends who love Jesus, maybe a pastor, or you you get some marital counseling. But if you feel stuck and alone, get get some help. And And if I can be of any help to you, I'd be happy to. So that's being intentional physically. Now let's turn the corner and talk about being intentional emotionally. So back to 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. An understanding way. In the original Greek, this is literally translated according to knowledge. Live with them according to knowledge. So this means be a student of your spouse. Live according to knowledge with your spouse. See, people are complex and people are fascinating. And it really does take a lifetime to really get to know somebody. So what does your spouse enjoy? What doesn't your spouse enjoy? What does your spouse find to be restful? Pastor and author C.J. Mahaney asks this. Do you know how to surprise and delight your spouse in specific ways in each of the following areas? Listen to these. Clothing sizes, styles and stores, health. Exercise, books, movies and shows, sports, 
food, music, entertainment, places they like to visit, intellectual interests, hobbies, vacations, and getaways? Do you know how your spouse is faring in each of these areas? Relationship with their children, relationship with parents, relationship with in-laws, relationship with friends, fears, hopes, disappointments, temptations. I'm sure as I even read those, those, those lists feel a bit overwhelming to you. And you might even think, man, there's just, Matt, you, there's just no way I could ever know all of that about them. But what if you could know just one more thing about your spouse each week? And then one more thing the next week. See, by the end of 2024, you would know 52 more things about your spouse. Suddenly, that's much more doable. Maybe even type out a note on your phone or on your computer or on a piece of paper and just try to discover things. Be a student, just like you would in school. Take notes, like literally take notes on your spouse, on what they enjoy, on where they're at, on how they're doing in different areas of life. What grade would you give yourself if you were to give yourself a grade on how good of a student you are of your spouse? See, many of us have a wealth of useless information on our favorite hobbies. I could give you an embarrassing amount of information on NFL, on football. But what if we had a wealth of useful information about our spouse? And see, I'm not bringing up that example about hobbies to make us feel bad. It's fun and can be even restful to know a lot about your hobbies. That's not why I'm bringing it up. I'm bringing it up to help you realize that you actually can do this. See, you, you study and get to know things that are really important to you without even thinking about it. And so what if you were just more intentional with your spouse and you just really were a student and got to know them more and more and more? But how do we do this? Well, for many of us, we just need to get curious again. We need to ask good questions. There's actually tons of books out there. Heather and I have used those before. It's helpful. There's books that just have questions for you and your spouse to go through. Because sometimes you're just like, I don't even know what to ask anymore. It seems like we've talked about anything. Then you pick up one of those and go, oh, we have, we have not talked about everything. Um, and it's really, really been helpful. But then just listen, really listen to them when they speak. Observe his or her routines, the reactions to things. Get curious again. 1 Peter 3.7 doesn't just say to get to know and understand your spouse, though. It says to show them honor. Showing honor is an action. You have to act on it. There's no point in learning all of these things about your spouse and being a, a great student of them if you don't actually put it into action, honor them by giving them what they enjoy. Give them what they enjoy regularly. If your spouse loves flowers, why not give them flowers more regularly? They don't cost that much except on Valentine's Day. So why don't you do it when it's not expected? Give, the, give what they enjoy regularly. Give them, to give, what, sorry, give them what they enjoy creatively. If they love walks in nature, why don't you find a new trail or find a new park to walk through? Give them what they enjoy randomly. If, see, if they love cheesy potatoes, why not on a random Wednesday instead of just on Easter and Christmas? May or may not be me. Yeah. 
Life hack. I learned this from a friend. Life hack for connecting emotionally with your spouse. You know how you get, you get home or at the end of the day and you tend to just share what happened that day? Right? This happened, this happened, this happened. What happened? Ah, this happened, this happened, this happened. These tend to just share kind of the same things every day. What if instead, to try to just kind of punch through that, those rhythms of kind of dry, you know, sharing the same thing, you ask instead, hey, how are you feeling today? How are you feeling today? See, this, this cuts through the mere events that happen right to the effect that they had on them. Guys especially, try to avoid saying things like this. I feel good. I feel fine. I feel okay. Those are generally non-answers that sidestep that question. Use more descriptive feeling words. Today I, I was frustrated. Today I was excited. Today I was down. Today I was afraid. I was annoyed. I was lonely. I was content. See, instead, of, a lot of the times, if you actually mean I'm, I'm good, you probably mean, hope, a lot of the time, no, I'm content. You know, it's just kind of an even keel day. Well, great. Use a more descriptive term so it's just not like, oh, I'm saying good again and good again and good again the next day. And it's just, it loses its meaning after a while. Share how you're actually feeling. Now, a prerequisite to being a student of your spouse and showing them honor is actually having quality time spent together. So earlier I talked about side-by-side time together, but now I'm talking about having face-to-face time together. You have built-in rhythms in your life where you're connecting face-to-face, where your phones are silenced or ignored, where the TV is off, and you're talking. It could be about anything, but you're talking. Ryan Palmer shared with me one time about how they try to, uh, the first 20 minutes, him and Elaine, um, when he gets home from work, just to be intentional about connecting with one another. So just this mentality of, hey, we're just, we're going to spend time and just talk and connect face to face. The kids can wait, supper can wait, whatever else can wait. We're going to invest emotionally in this bank account of our marriage in a practical way today. And I, I, I love that. We don't hit 100%, but we try to do that as well and appreciate that suggestion. So that's being intentional emotionally. Now let's talk about being intentional spiritually. So back to 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. So it says you're both co-heirs of the grace of life. You both have received the undeserved grace and mercy of God. You both are equal recipients of God's grace. Neither of you is better or worse than the other. Why? Because of the grace of God. Sometimes we get in our heads that we're slightly better than our spouse. But if you look at the cross, the ground's level. You're not better at all. You're both in desperate need of grace. And sometimes we get in our heads that we're slightly worse than our spouse. But if you look at the cross, the ground is level. You've both received the same grace. So are you intentional, enjoying, and living in that grace together? Worship helps, uh, helps remind us of our desperate need of grace. I'm not just talking about worshiping at church through song, although that's a great way to connect spiritually. 
But I'm talking about worshiping together, going out in nature and just pointing out, wow, God, you are amazing. That sunset today, even the snow can be so beautiful sometimes. Not usually. No, it can be. It can be. But just worshiping out in nature, worshiping together at home by simply, this, this isn't, get out the guitar, we're going to say, that could be that. It could be as simple as just talking about God together. It's interesting. It says that if we don't treat our spouses this way, our prayers will be affected. Did you catch that in this verse? See, again, the emotional affects the physical, affects the spiritual. Prayer is vitally important to filling up the spiritual bank account in your marriage. So do you pray for your spouse? When? Do you pray with your spouse? When? Do you ever ask your spouse, hey, can you pray for me right now? It's very humbling to do, but there's so much power in that. Ephesians 5, 25 to 26 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with, with the washing of water by the word. What beautiful imagery there. Washing of water by the word. Washing each other with the water of the word. What, what would that look like? What could that look like in your marriage to wash him or wash her in the word of God? An idea for you for just being more intentional spiritually with your spouse is just to ask each other regularly, maybe once a week, maybe once a day, what is God saying to you this week? What is he speaking to you through his word this week or today? And I know for some of you that sounds uncomfortable, it sounds strange, but think about it this way. If you're not talking about God ever in your marriage, how is your marriage any different from those who don't know Christ. Just like in a connection group or a Bible study, you know, it can't merely just get, getting together and gathering and laughing and connecting. You must talk about Christ and pray with one another or else it's, it's no different than any other group. It's no different than the group that's getting together at the bar. We're called to be aliens and strangers in this world and our marriage is included in that. But as we do that, it will actually unlock a more satisfying marriage. Christ really is the key to a great marriage. So let me call your attention back to that card that I have you, had you pick up at the beginning. Did you write something on that card yet? I just want you to take a moment, and I want you to think through this. God, how will I invest more in my marriage? In 2024? Will it be physically? Will it be emotionally? Will it be spiritually? Just pick one and then go, okay, I'm going to invest more physically by doing this, or I'm going to invest more emotionally by doing this, and make it really doable. Don't write anything down that you know you can't do. There's no point in doing that. But let's just take a couple minutes. We'll have some light music playing here. I just want you to think and pray. And then I'll come back up and pray to end. And I, I also want to throw this out to you. So as a church, we really, really want to help marriages. So much so that there's a family life conference in Omaha in March. And we want to help anyone who wants to go 
financially. We're not going to pay for the whole thing, but we'll pay for a lot of it. And so if you're interested in that, anybody who wants to, come talk to me today. So you may write on here, I'm going to pursue her by talking to Matt about that family life conference. Great. Great. I know, I, I actually know from talking to many of you that you, you two really could use a weekend away to reconnect, to focus on Christ, spend time together. So if you're interested in that, don't leave here today without talking to me or send me an email, send me a text, give me a call. But let's just spend some time talking to God. How does he want us to pursue our spouse, be more intentional with our spouse this year? So listen, listen to how God was intentional with us. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant and taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by, coming, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Let God's intentionality with you by sending his son propel you to be intentional with your spouse in 2024. Let's pray. Jesus, we need your help. We just wrote some things down. Writing them down is the easy part. So we just pray that you would give us strength by your spirit to walk in these, to live these things out, to pursue our spouses, to be students of our spouses, to invest emotionally, physically, spiritually. And I pray for those who aren't married. I pray that you would help them to pursue healthier relationships with other people in their lives, Lord. With you, co-workers, with friends, family members. Just pray that 2024 would be marked by, by us just being more intentional with your help, being more intentional with others in our lives. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together.